Preseason conference previews continue on the early read, and today we hit Conference USA with Austin Nace, the co-founder of Campus 2 Canton. Austin is more of from the college football fantasy space, but a lot of unique insight with a lot of betting and actionable information all throughout the show. Really pumped that we were able to have Austin on. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, and giving five stars. It's the Early Read, Episode 3, Conference USA Preview. The early read episode number three conference USA preview with my guy Austin Nace at Debbie Dietz on Twitter. He's a co-host of the Campus to Canton podcast and Debbie debate comes from the college football fantasy line of work. Austin does a lot of great work with Campus to Canton to the number two and Debbie debate. So pumped to have him on to talk conference USA. Austin, how's it going, man? Uh, great. Thanks for having me on here. One of the, I think, more underrated conferences, at least in terms of uh, excitement level. So happy to be here today and talk some CUSA. Yeah. Yeah, it's a conference that's going through a lot of transitions. It's been uh, pillaged uh, from the mid-major group of five ranks. We're now a lot of teams have been moving on AAC. They're plucking some teams from the FCS. But I think you you hit it pretty well there where especially for fantasy football, it's a conference that is going to feature a lot of scoring, a lot of up-tempo games, a lot of games in the 40s. And for you college fantasy football players, that's where you're looking for when you're doing your deeper dives in your G5 ring. So Austin's going to come with a handful of intriguing names that are going to have the eye-popping stat lines. I know a bunch of buddies that are in the fantasy football space. And then from the betting perspective, this is an interesting conference because you have a few new members. You have some transition going on at the top of the conference. So I think that you can maybe see some teams because look at the odds. It's dominated by two teams, but I think that there might be a li little bit more parity than it's been given to. So I'm pumped to get into this conference. It's embracing its interaction. We have games on Wednesdays in late September and October, you know, games on Thursdays, Fridays. They're really trying to beef up their weekday schedule and get as much exposure as possible. So, Austin, before we talk a little bit about college fantasy football, let's just talk about who's gone and who's in from this conference because there's only nine teams in this conference and two of them can't even compete for the conference championship. So it's basically, for all intents and purposes, a seven-team conference for the championship. But this is a team that – uh, or a conference that lost the likes of Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss before last season. And then heading into this season, they lose Charlotte, Florida Atlantic, North Texas, Rice, UTSA, UAB. All gone. So this is a conference that has now moved into the independent FCS ranks to uh, really just fill out the roster, it seems. But Jacksonville State and Sam Houston State are in from the FCS. New Mexico State and Liberty are in from the independent ranks. And then the holdovers are FIU, Louisiana Tech, Middle Tennessee State, UTEP, and of course, Western Kentucky. So a lot going on here. <laughs> this is this is a real change, um, pretty stark, but there's a, a lot to get into. And I want to ask you, Austin, as a college fantasy football player, what is the G5 ranks? How often are you diving in? Are you splitting it amongst Power 5 and G5 fantasy football or 
is it kind of open season? Because I'm not as familiar with the fantasy football space in college. It, it, it's a really fun kind of combination because we all know a lot of these smaller G5 teams will play a beefed up out of conference schedule, make a little bit of cash, go on the road to, you know, Michigan, Clemson and somebody else. And then, you know, maybe throw a, a lower ranked team in there. So it, it's funny because you want those guys at the end of the season when it's in conference and they're playing on Thursday nights and it's snowy and everybody's slipping all over the place and, 60 to 55 but at the beginning of the season you don't want them at all like you can't even mm -hmm. start half these guys uh in, in the non-con so it, it's it's a really fun to kind of look at schedules and kind of match up you know winter tough games winter winter bye weeks all, all of those kinds of things but yeah i mean especially western kentucky is kind of the the gold mine uh, of cff right now at least from the g5 we love diving in there every year i'm sure we're going to talk about them here a bunch i mean pass happy team the quarterback's always effective multiple receiving options i mean they're they're probably my favorite team i try to get a couple of those guys every single year um and just build a whole team around them really so are you when you're building out because i imagine you do plenty of different leagues and rosters are you going p5 only g5 only or is it really just a mix and you're kind of picking and choosing as the season goes on yeah i i, I play in all leagues that you know the whole player, the whole pool's involved. You, you can pick and choose. And really, I I think at the end of the day, you probably want like 60, 40 Power 5, G5. You, you want a mm -hmm. few more of those Power 5 guys. I mean, just the nature of having the Ohio State guys, the, the Bama guys, the you know Clemson, Florida State. Like, there are bigger, better teams there. The, those players are, are very, very attractive. But I, I think, you know, really, especially at receiver, I think is the one position that I uh, am really trying to target some of these G5 schools because – if you're a good athlete in the G5, the odds of you matching up every week against an equally athletic you know, DB, it, it's just so rare. I mean, guys like, you know, Torrey Horton and Malachi or Corley and, and all these guys, it's just there's nobody that can match up with them on a week to week basis. And that's kind of the, the where the, the money guys are uh, in some of these leagues, if you can get them. Yeah, the drop off from like power five, like sec behind the depth chart guys in the power five, like those are still like four-star recruits like pretty good like some of these backups in the group of five ranks like this is borderline varsity high school football here <laughs> i mean it, the the drop off of stark and you know for us college football heads like we love it because it's wild and it's chaotic but also there's opportunities to be had with like that massive drop off like you said looking at like wide receivers matched up against some of these defenses because you know we said at the top but i mean the defense is in this conference there's probably two in this conference maybe three that's like truly redeemable but besides that it is you know open season louisiana tech last year may have been like arguably the worst defense in the entire country so um we'll see we'll, we'll be talking about the bulldogs in a little bit so let's get in to some of these teams and just some scheduling notes i mentioned that conference usa really trying to get some more eyeballs on it so there's no divisions this year it's just the top two teams and like we said Jacksonville State and Sam Houston State, not eligible for the conference championship. So only seven teams are really competing for the conference title. Um, all games in October will be played in the middle of the week. So there's a lot of weird quirks going on. And what I've seen based on just like going through the schedules and looking at them, five or three teams have been impacted probably the most in that late September, October range. And that is Jacksonville State, Louisiana Tech, and middle Tennessee, those three teams are playing five games in a span of 24 days. So that's brutal. 
that is that's going to be a real war of attrition and trying to navigate that is probably going to define those three teams season. So I think that's something to keep in mind as we get to those teams. But let's start at the top, because as I alluded to, there's two teams that really have separated themselves on the odds board. I'm just going down from um, odds order. But Western Kentucky is the favorite entering this year. Uh, win total eight and a half shaded to the under minus 135 to the under is the consensus price plus 140 to win conference USA this year. Austin Reed dabbled with the transfer portal, ended up coming back and he returns to an offense that is as electric as advertised over the last three years. This team has really embraced frenetic tempo, air raid, everything you want. I mean, Bailey Zappi now is in the pros. That's, uh, you know, a fine memory of Bailey Zappi. Austin Reed has come in flying colors. Another new offensive coordinator in from Mississippi State Hollingshead, but it's another air raid system. So you can expect the same here from the Hilltoppers. Uh, the offensive line was real good because this is quick trigger. Reed's getting the ball out of his ha- out of his hands fast. I mean, top 10 in tackles for loss allowed. They bring back four or five starters. So this offense to me, group of five level, this is going to be a top five offense probably. So I don't see much of a drop off there. Um, down to down wasn't great, but they hit big plays all over, uh, top 50 in the country and explosive pass and run rate. Also, I know you're more on the offensive side of things. So I'll, I'll stop there. Is this going to be business as usual for the Hilltoppers? And are there any names we need to keep an eye on outside of Austin Reed? Yeah, I think, uh, arguably I, I, I kind of expect this offense to maybe even be a little bit better than they were last year. I think the, the loss of the offensive coordinator is pretty negligible. It, it's Helton there. He's running mm. things. They, they run what he wants, and VOC has, like you said, familiarity with the air raid. So I don't really expect any step back there. Um, you know, Reed's second year there, and then all the weapons, they they lose Daywood Davis, um, uh, one or two other guys as well, but they, they bring back Malachi Corley. And then the the second and third receivers there, at least the guys that we expect this year, Michael Matheson and um, uh, Dalvin Smith, they're both familiar with the system. They've been there at least one year, both of them. So I think even though maybe the pieces haven't all played a ton together, I think there's plenty of familiarity with the system, and that's really all that matters there. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I expect this offense, honestly, to probably be a little bit better than they were last year. Um, I expect Austin Reed to actually perform statistically and, you know, just watching him uh, probably a little bit better than he did last year. Uh, I think Corley could probably lead all of college football in receiving this year, both receptions and yardage, kind of like – Oh, who they have two years ago? I forget the the um, smaller receiver there that that led NCAA in receiving. But um, but I, no, I, I expect that. I'm looking it up. I expect that performance uh, again from them this year. And honestly, that eight and a half wins. I know you said it's juiced a little bit to the under. I actually kind of like the over. Like looking at their schedule, I, they'll trip up a couple times. They got OSU in there, but it's not really that difficult of a schedule on a, on a week to week basis. So. I, I honestly expect them to kind of run away with the conference by the end of it. Yeah, this is a team that is going to be favored in every single conference game, it looks like, um, as I'm still I'm still looking for the receiver. Was it Jared Stearns? Yeah, Stearns. Yeah, thank okay. you. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Western Kentucky, that first game against South Florida is going to be probably glorified Conference USA. Uh, you know, we're looking at – with that offense, how South Florida wants to run, and Western Kentucky is going to be a willing participant. That game is going to be back and forth. So that's week one. That's at home. Houston Christian, that's going to be a win. That's a bye week. They do go to Troy, which Troy, their defense is probably going to be enough to stymie Western Kentucky and keep their total down. Um, 
But then again, like I said, probably gonna be favored in every single conference game, especially because they get Liberty at home, which is the second choice. They do go to, do go to UTEP, but I mean, yes, I agree that Western Kentucky should be the favorite. You look at the defense. This was a defense that was very aggressive. They gained more turnovers than any team in the entire country, which masked a lot of the issues. But again, when you have an offense that's across the country, top 20 across the board, probably. I mean, the defense just needs a few stops to really outpace, especially at this level. So, you know, there's not a lot of returning production, less than 50%, but Helton hit the portal hard. Power five transfers uh, from Texas A&M, Nebraska, and they bring back Evans, who had eight sacks last year. So bring back uh, one of their most feared pass rushers. Um, it's one know, of those deals lot. where the, it's one of those deals where you bring back so few players, but the defense was so bad anyway that it's it's one of those. You know, did, did they actually they probably been, maybe improve by having that what, happen? Returning production on when a defense is so bad and it doesn't it, yeah, like you said, it's not necessarily that killer when you lose production because the production was bad. So, but like. It's also, you could look at it through any lens you want because if you bring back a lot, but the defense is bad, you could easily say like, oh, well, like, you know, continuity, you know, another year in the system. Here they come. Like, you know, let the D, let the DC get a winter with them to really, you know, figure this out. But I, I do think, though, this offense is going to be the best unit in the country, country, the conference. And the schedule sets up nicely for them that I would be surprised if they're not in the conference title game. Just again, um, you know, they're going to be more high-powered offense than any team in Conference USA. I would say one potential slip-up game is maybe at Louisiana Tech, which we're going to get to just because they can maybe potentially match that offensive firepower. But I give benefit of the doubt to Washington Kentucky. I, I agree that they should be favored. Win total, South Florida is probably a little trickier than I would say. I think that this lands eight a lot nine more nine much more likely than seven but i'm gonna wait before i play this but i i would lean towards the over as well just because like outside of two guaranteed losses to ohio state and troy there's not that many losses on the schedule if you give them liberty especially at home you had to give them they're definitely favored there so i would lean towards the over with western kentucky and maybe later in the summer we'll come back to that but for, for I the think record, that they, this is not a win total that i have played personally this yeah. year but i think if i was if you know if someone said you have to put some money on this, I would probably take the over. I just you know a little bit of extra you know. Juice I agree. Fine, fine with me, really. So I completely agree. And then we move on to Liberty. We kind of just talked about them, but Liberty. Jamie Chadwell is in. Hugh Freeze is out. He's back. He's at Auburn now. Liberty's gonna you know they enter as an independent, so this is gonna be an interesting year for them. Quarterback was kind of a mixed bag. A lot of injuries there last year. It started with. Brewer, he got hurt in the first game. Then it was Salter, who looked like he was the guy. He got hurt. Jonathan Bennett took over. Trey Lau was in from Southern Miss. So we don't know who the – last I saw, I don't know who the starter is. So this is still up for debate. I wonder where this is going to be because this is a team that has a lot of turnover. They lose their best offensive player, which is really the big uh, – you know, why I'm not really in on this Liberty team. They lose Day-Day Hunter, who hit the portal late. Um, he averaged six and a, six and over six and a half yards per carry. That's a huge loss. Bring back three starters on the offensive line and add a West Virginia transfer as well. So should be a higher level unit, but it's the defense that really is going to be why the Flames are going to go to the Conference USA Championship game. I mean, they're plus 230 to win the conference, eight and a half win total. There's not a lot back, but um, Kenny Charles is back on the defensive line. Uh, defense of the third most sacks in the entire country. So with a holdover at D.C., 
I think Chad was going to channel that, let the defense stay as is, even if it is portal heavy, you know, can they keep going in the back? Can they keep getting to the backfield against maybe some weaker offensive lines? Potentially. I'm just curious. Can the offense match some of the firepower like a Western Kentucky, like a Louisiana tech, you know, even if you want to throw like Jacksonville state in there, FIU, those offenses are going to try and push the ball. Can Liberty find the firepower with Jamie Chadwell in year one, Austin? Yeah, I'll be interested to see exactly what they do if Chadwell wants to run the same exact system or if that was a little more dependent on the personnel that he had um, over with the Chanticleers there. I actually kind of like Kate on Salter. I liked, I thought Salter was – I thought he was the best that Liberty had to offer last year. 100%. 100%. And I had him, like, stashed on a lot of different teams, just hoping he would kind of do that. For anybody that doesn't know, you know, former Tennessee guy, got kicked out of school really early there for, like – Nothing awful, but it was just stupid thing after stupid thing. And eventually just, you know, too many stupid things. Yeah. you got to go. But, I mean, he's athletic. I think he can probably do a lot of similar things to what Chadwell wants. Maybe not at the same level as um, uh, McCall, who's Grayson basically like the most efficient college quarterback of all time. Like, I think expecting <laughs> that kind of performance is a little far-fetched. But I, I still think this offense will will run pretty well this year. And I do think the running back room is going to be – Hunter's a loss. We'll see what happens with him because he still hasn't found a home yet. And That's I, what I was going to ask you. I, I saw an interview with him eh, within the last month or two, and they were asking him, like, you know, he's not sure – he might have to get a waiver, which I think is why he's kind of trying to figure out where he wants to go because he, he might not be able to get one. So it's not – totally outside the realm of possibility that he does return just he might not be able to get one and he probably wants to play football but even if he doesn't come back they have a freshman there von blue who i think they really 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 like um and then some of the other pieces there you know, quentin cooley are good enough i think for what again chadwell wants to do with kind of that two back tandem one guy kind of between the tackles one guy out a little more in space so i, I think overall I, I do rightly think they're probably the second best team in the conference yeah. defensively. What are they going to be? I'm not super jazzed for them, but that that's probably a year or two out in terms of work in progress. But I think offensively they'll be able to score with pretty much anybody in this conference, at least the talent on the paper says they should be able to. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I think they probably have a lower floor than a team like Western Kentucky, just because there's new coach, a little bit more moving pieces there, a little bit more, less proven. If it is Salter, I'll probably be, you know, giving them a noted bump because I wasn't a big fan of Jonathan Bennett. But, uh, you know, I think Liberty, again, the schedule much less daunting than Western Kentucky's. Obviously, they go to Western Kentucky, which is a big one, but they're non-con, much more doable. They play Bowling Green in week one at home. Then they have a home game against New Mexico State in conference play. So it does come in quick. And then they go to Buffalo. And then later in the year, they play Old Dominion and UMass. So, non-con definitely much more manageable than western kentucky's but from a conference play perspective they do have a weird stretch where it is they play thursday and then they play again on tuesday that's me going through the schedule they play sam houston at home off a of bye and then they go to jacksonville state on a tuesday and jacksonville state just yeah i do some math here but jacksonville state they play on the road with an extra day of rest that uh, Liberty does so a little bit of weird scheduling there but maybe that will hurt their conference prospects a little bit more than their win total prospects if that makes sense because the non-con is that much easier I don't have any action on Liberty I'm probably not gonna have any action on them at all to be honest with you depends on quarterback play but I just think this is clearly the second best team 
on paper and we'll see kind of what happens at quarterback. What do you have their like their win total number at? Their win total is eight and a half. Right. Yeah, I'm not like that. minus one ten each yeah. way. So you're looking at, you know, I think with their non-con, I could see nine a lot. I'm just like not like you said, I'm not really enthused to play either side. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. One team that I am a little bit more opinionated on, and th- you'll honestly probably be a good person to land on, but Middle Tennessee win total six and a half, shaded to the over with the third best odds to win the conference at plus 450. Rick Stockstill, been there forever. Guy has been kind of the epitome of consistency in terms of just playing bowl level ball, 109 and 103 in 17 years. Last year, uh, I still can't believe they won the Hawaii Bowl against San Diego State. That was just absolutely ridiculous uh, as someone who had San Diego State in that game. But, um, you know, gone is Cunningham in. It looks like it's going to be, I'm butchering this one, but Vitasho, Nicholas Vitasho, it seems like it's going to be him, the sophomore quarterback. I don't know who else it would be. But this was a team that was boomer bust completely, explosive plays. The offensive line was. Uh, pretty brutal 90 overall they were 99th in yards per play but they were top 50 in explosive plays mainly because frank peasant um didn't run like he was a peasant he uh returns had 11 touchdowns last year but the offensive line only returns two i count three players on the offensive line so it wasn't good last year just talked is the returning production that important when the offensive line wasn't that bad but the defense was really wide this was one of the best in conference usa last year 34 sacks last year, 21st most in the country. Um, They were crushed deep, you know, bottom 80 in explosive pass rate, but the team was fifth in turnovers game. They were aggressive. They shut down in the red zone. They returned more. They have, you know, 12 of 15 players that played at least 300 snaps. And Teldrick Rose is their best corner. He's one of the best in Conference USA. But is the offense going to have enough to hold up here without Cunningham and, you know, really unproven at quarterback? Um, and the offensive line is plenty of questions. So Middle Tennessee to me is a, this is a weird one. I'm not really sure. Austin, do you have any opinions on the quarterback play? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's pretty hard to find an offense that has a decent pace of play like that, that we're just not interested at all for fantasy. And and this is one of them. Um, I, I don't feel great about the quarterback situation. Even if I did, I don't love the receivers there really either. I mean, I think like you said, peasants, the only guy that, offensively i really expect to do anything of note um so i i do think they're going to struggle and especially it seems like this this conference is shifting much more to an offensive heavy you know mac uh, style yeah. conference I, I don't think that they have the the horses to really keep up this year we have them like fourth or fifth in the conference depending on you know how, how maybe one or two things shakes out there shake out there so um not a team that i'm really jazzed about for anything um, but you said that you're you're sneakily kind of high on them here going into this year. No, I'm low on them. Oh, I, okay. Okay. I, Where do you have them? I think you know my you know I ran my numbers and I ran through the season and my win total spit out five. So I'm okay. I'm really leaning towards the under here. I understand that a lot of that is baked into you know not a lot of returning production. Um, you know I just think that the schedule, especially who they're playing, they also get Murray State, but. To me, the schedule and the sequencing really makes me lean towards the under. I haven't played it because the conference schedule is a little bit more manageable, but they open with Alabama and Missouri on the road. I think that the like the returning or um, 
the margins and the marginal returns of those games are going to be absolutely brutal for a team that's going to play. I count. I don't count. It's eight straight games to start the season. So you open with Alabama, Missouri, which is going to take a toll on you to begin with. You don't have a proven quarterback. Guys are going to get hurt. They're just playing, you know, they're playing two SEC teams. Then you're playing eight straight capped off by at Liberty. And in there, you also play at Western Kentucky. And then you close with at New Mexico, FIU, UTEP, and at Sam Houston. To me, this just looks like one of those years where you kind of have to just put your hands in the air and say, we got, we got screwed. Like the, the schedule just completely screwed us. To me, if you're a person who thinks Colorado State bounces back this year, which I, I mean, I don't think they're, you know, an eight or nine win team or anything, but I even think they'll be decent this year. I think, I think that's a loss in September as well for them. So three of the first four, I think, are just are tough. Yeah, and again, you get to that eighth game in a row, and it's at Liberty. Just to, how many, you know, body blows can this team take? That's why it's six and a half. I get that you'd rather have the games you can get, like the potential coin flips. You rather get them at home, which they do get because. They get Louisiana Tech at home. They get UTEP at home, even Jacksonville State. Like, you you go to Western Kentucky and Liberty, so that doesn't hurt you as much. But with zero proven quarterback and a bad offensive line that's transitioning and a bunch of new players, I just struggle to see how this team is getting to seven wins. I know that, like, the numbers may say, like, oh, this team is going to end up going over. But to me, six is a lot more like – six is a lot more likely than seven. And I think, to me, I mean, my numbers spit out five and – I don't necessarily just like blindly bet like what my number will spit out because there's a lot of noise. It's the off season. I don't know. I haven't necessarily like found the perfect mix of like transfer production and returning production and everything. So I kind of ease off of it and use it more as a guide. But then I look at the schedule. I'm like, it has to, like, it has to be an under this team is, I struggle to see seven wins on the schedule. Even if you give them Murray state, Colorado state, Jacksonville state, FIU and Sam Houston on the road. That's five right there. So you're telling me they need a win at Western Kentucky, at Liberty, at New Mexico, and UTEP. You got to go two and two there. There's not a lot of room for error. And I was generous with the no. wins I gave you. No. And, and honestly, you know, if something happens to Frank Peasant, this could be a team that's averaging like 15 or fewer points a game. Seriously. I, I really think if something were to happen to him, we don't think the running back room that's particularly deep behind him. We don't even think that's like the strength of the team. It's just peasant is there and that's fine. Yeah. Like they have a so, talented yeah, running back, but the running game itself is very good. I and mean, you look at last year with Cunningham at quarterback, this team was all or nothing. Um, they averaged less than two points per drive. Like I said, they were 99th in yards per play, but you know, they completed a bunch of passes. They were chunk player bust and they scored when they were in the red zone. So, you know, bailed them out a little bit. I I'm it's shaded that way. It's, you know, minus one or it's shade to the over. I disagree with that. I actually like the under here on middle Tennessee, but we'll wrap this all up at the end of the show with a little best bet segment. But we said uh, middle Tennessee is the third choice to win the conference. I think that Louisiana tech, who is the next team we're going to talk about should be the third team in the conference. I think there's a ton of upside um for the bulldogs this year their win total is five and a half it's smoked to the over it's minus 170 to the over so you know it's i think everyone is agreeing that this team is gonna go bowling this year but they're plus 850 to win the conference so if you are a believer in the upside of this team like i may be under sunny combi year two i think that the this team could really compete with they they're kind of an unknown quantity because of the 
players they brought in. We don't know the defense was so bad last year. Can they take a marginal step forward? But on offense, they bring in Hank Bachmeyer from Boise State. Fell out of favor there. Loved him as a freshman. Fell, fell off. But I just think that maybe people have gone a little too far the other way with Bachmeyer. I think that, you know, the offense didn't do him any favors. Last year, Boise State picked up with a really exciting dual threat quarterback in Taylor Green, and they bring back Dirk Cutter. So I think a lot of that was the reason that Bachmeyer didn't work out. I would maybe attribute some of it to the play calling. I think this might be a better match for him. And the team has a lot back. You know, the team added a lot of talent as well. Squirrel Williams is in from Baylor. Decoldis Crawford from Nebraska. Um, Smoke Harris receiver. Cyrus Allen. I mean, both those guys had over 500 yards. Um, offense brings back a lot of upperclassmen on the line. Team has to be better, but continuity. You know, we'll look through it uh, the positive way. Um, they have a veteran uh, former blue chip recruit in Matthew Downing at quarterback in case Bachmeyer gets hurt. But I think this offense has like maybe right there with Western Kentucky upside, especially with Cumbie pulling the strings. Austin, how do you see this offense this year? Yeah, I, I, so I found out today actually, and not even in prep to hop on here and talk with you, just in the normal course of using Twitter, that Squirrel Williams actually is not with the program anymore either. Oh, so that's bad job so, by me. That's yeah, bad that, no, I mean, that like I, a, a local news guy responded to, to a college fantasy person talking about Squirrel Boy. He was like, yeah, he's no longer with the program. That's the first I'd even heard that there was a possibility of that. So I think that really kind of like, turns out that he just left or was there like he just said okay. he's no longer with the team. I anything could have happened. Literally zero, <laughs> zero idea. I don't want to speculate at all. Um, so I don't I don't even know where he's going to end up. But I, I like the the receivers here enough. And Bachmeyer, like you said, he was a guy that um, just, yeah, quite frankly, didn't fit in what they what they want to do currently at, at Boise. So I think he'll th this step down for him, I think will be really, really nice. Um, I, he's still got a couple years there. I, I think he'll be good uh, for them. And I, I love Smoke Harris and, and Cyrus Allen. I think they're both players that wouldn't be out of place in a higher g5 team you know i'm not gonna say that they could play you know in the, the pac 12 or something but I, I do think they could they could get along fine at a at a at a boise state at a you know at a western kentucky even could probably play there i mean they, they're they're a solid group of receivers so i'd be lying if i said knew much uh, knew much about the defense there at all but i think they're going to get teams into shootouts and i think that's when these kinds of teams that have those low win totals are a little more dangerous because if they can score, 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 you know, that, that's, that, that's how you pull a few extra games out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look at who they're replacing at receiver. I mean, Trey Harris is now at Ole Miss. So, Miss, yeah. you know, this, this passing game, I think is going to hum. And I mean, we talk about the defense. Uh, it, it, it cannot be worse. They allowed over six yards of uh, carry. They forced a few turnovers, but you know, they were aggressive, but they got gashed and they let up a bunch of points. Um, so the defense can't be worse. I'm buying into the upside of this offense. I, I bet them to win the conference at plus 850. I think that, listen, if Liberty, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to beat Western Kentucky, but I think that Liberty, if there's a there's some wiggle room there where Louisiana Tech could maybe get into this. The schedule, like I said, they play five games in 24 days. So you have to find a way to navigate that. But I think with the win total smoked to minus 170, I think you got to go for a little bit more variance, a little bit higher ceiling. Like you said, they're going to be putting up a bunch of points. That opens up the realm that they could pull an upset or two. They do get Western Kentucky at home, so that helps. And that weird scheduling quirk where there's five games, 24 days. So maybe they could uh, spark an upset there. Um, 
in Ruston. And then Liberty at the end of the season, it's on the road, so I'm not going to get too excited. But the reason that I'm not super crazy about this one, I'm not like all over the place, is they have to go to UTEP and they have to go to Middle Tennessee, which is kind of the next group of teams trying to get up there. I wish one of those games was at home, but I still like the upside of the team. I think Hank Bachmeyer, by the end of this year, we could say this guy's the best quarterback in the conference. Just like point blank, better than Austin Reed. I think that the upside is still there for this guy that has played at a higher level to kind of take this league by storm. And listen, we're talking Western Kentucky and Liberty. They are very good, but like they're not some world beaters. You know, the gap isn't like that crazy. Like, so Louisiana Tech is my bet. I think that they should definitely have shorter odds than Middle Tennessee, in my opinion. That's at least how I see it. So that's how I opted to play on Louisiana Tech. I see a lot of people though talking about UTEP this year. Last year, I was a big, I was, I was all part of the minors. I was on their over win total. And I was just, I underrated the loss of cowing. And I thought that Gavin Harrison was a little bit better than he was. He's back. A lot of people are excited because they bring back so much on the offensive line that this offense could be more efficient down to down, but they were bottom 20 in red zone touchdown percentage. They had to hit on a bunch of explosive plays to bail them out. But down to down, this team was not coded on offense. And they bring a lot of guys back. But the passing game, I don't trust Hardison. And while I like Hankins at running back, the receivers are very unproven. Austin, you'll probably have a better gauge than that. But I'm kind of – I'm indifferent on UTEP this year. How do you see the minors? Yeah, offensively, there's one and a half players here that I'm interested in. Tyron Smith – transferring back in from Texas A&M, flirting with them this offseason. And he does. He Apparently, he has his waiver. He's back. He's good to go. He'll be starting for them. Love him this year. I think he's one of those guys that probably is too good for UTEP, but definitely wasn't good enough for Texas A&M. <laughs> that transfer never made sense to me. I swear he got there to the first practice, like looked out and was just, okay, like this, this is not going to work. So good self-awareness there from Tyron. And then I kind of like Hankins as well. He was a little banged up last year, but I do think he's a pretty good player. If Hardison can be like moderately effective, I think that can take a little bit of pressure off of him, take an extra guy out of the box and let Hankins bang a little bit. He, he's a bigger guy there. I think they're probably maybe probably the fourth best team in the conference this year, I think. I But the, my problem with them is like after those first couple teams, like what what do you do well enough to go out there and win games consistently? And if I look at UTEP, like the offensive line is not particularly great. Like we said, Hardison's not very good. So Tyron Smith is basically an extension of the run game where it's no mm-hmm. quick dump off stuff along the line of scrimmage. Let him work after the catch. They don't create a ton of chunk plays downfield, at least not consistently. So I, I don't know what you point to offensively for them to win every single week. And so, I mean, I, I don't think they, they really have a chance to win this conference, but I think they'll definitely muck it up a little bit with some of these teams in that middle tier. Yeah, I just think, like I said, this team – down to down as someone who bet them, you know, they're over win total last year. So I had my eye on them maybe a little bit more than another team in conference USA, but just down to down Hardison wasn't able to navigate this offense. They had to hit chunk place to really make it work. And, you know, we like Hankins and maybe that opens it up for Hardison, but I don't know. I just, I can't trust this offense after last year. And I know continuity returning production, but I just, we're really going to count on Hardison now to finally like he started all last year so now we think he's gonna take the jump like he was the starter going into last year and he started so all of a sudden like oh another year like maybe it's experience but the defense maybe the tails are a little bit 
wider on this defense. Um, read that uh, Dan Dimmel br- brought in 25 Juco transfers. So maybe you're hoping a few stick and really could outperform expectation. But um, last year's defense wasn't that much to call home on. Middle of the pack across the board in Conference USA. Um, Stewart on the defensive line is a potential havoc driver. But I'm I'm not like I'm not like dancing to be on this UTEP team again. Like they maybe go bowling. They maybe don't five and a half minus minus one ten each way. Seems like a pretty fair price to me. Uh, the schedule, it, it has some like, again, there's like quirks everywhere, but there's some interesting quirks here. They actually open at Jacksonville state in a conference USA game. Jacksonville state's like favored by like one or two. So that probably tells you how the market, I mean, listen, it's July 13th. So the market isn't super mature yet, but like, it's they're kind of lining it like these two teams are similar similarly rated, you know, pick them on a neutral. Maybe UTEP slightly favored on a neutral, but Jacksonville State, you know, that's a team that's jumping from the FCS ring. So that probably tells you a little bit about where the early opinions are on UTEP. They host Incarnate Ward, who's going through a lot of transfer, a lot of transition in the FCS ranks. So probably a win there. They go to Northwestern, which it looks like they're up in arms. But I imagine the Wildcats will be able to win that one. That's probably concerning if they can't, but um, then they go to Arizona. They're probably going to get smoked. Um, Host UNLV. That game's probably a coin flip. And then I have down, they play three games in the month of November because of a a second bye week because they play in week zero. They host Western Kentucky, get a bye. They go to middle Tennessee and then they host Liberty to close out the year. So again, if you want to buy in, like I, I wish Louisiana Tech had this schedule because then I would be like all over Louisiana Tech and I I would be pumped about it. UTEP has the schedule. I just don't trust the pieces to take advantage of the schedule and actually make a run in Conference USA. No, I don't either. I, I you know, and actually, I mean, Incarnate Word's undergoing some changes, but like they're always dangerous. And I think they're mm-hmm. kind of like Western Kentucky that they're usually trying to run more or less the same stuff. So, I mean, that that is a tricky uh, FCS game there as well. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't love that win total either way. Yeah. It, it's just a no, I just have no interest. I'm, I'm good passing there. Uh, next team, team that closed hot last year, New Mexico state, the Aggies come from the independent ranks. Uh, Jerry kill brings them to conference USA. A lot back here. <laughs> the returning production's eye for this team on both sides of the ball. Uh, Diego Pavia ended up picking it up. I, it's funny. I actually, when I watched early in the season, I liked the other kid, Frakes, more, uh, the freshman. I thought he was slinging it, but Pavia really took control of the offense. And New Mexico State, they got hot at the end of the year. They made a bowl uh, thanks to a late-scheduled game against Valparaiso. They make a bowl. They beat Bowling Green. Uh, so this program, moving in the right direction, uh, bring back two starting receivers and Jamani Jones at running back. So the team played slow. I to be, They played slow as shit. Bottom five in total plays last year. We're able to hit chunk plays, but down to down, not great. But it was year one of Jerry Kill. Austin, do you see with Pavia back, Jones back, David, Brady, all these guys back, can you see them maybe taking a step forward on the offensive side of the ball? Because the defense was nails, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, that's a freshly tattooed head coach Jerry Kill there, right? I think, <laughs> I think that was part of the bet. They, they hit 500 or whatever. Um, yeah, I, um, I, I'm not interested really in any – individual player on this offense I, like you said you know extremely low pace of play bottom 15 of the country uh they basically play keep ball um which is smart i mean they they like i said they don't they don't have a ton i think the running back room is probably the strength of this team i like star thomas there as well i think he's a, a solid player 
uh, overall to to get in the mix. And then, yeah, Pavia, I think this team goes as far as he can take them, which is such a cliched thing to talk about quarterbacks. <laughs> but this the roster is so middling and the conference is so middling that uh, a couple of, of games like he had in that bowl game there against Bowling Green, uh, a couple hundred yards, you know, just – mistake free able to push the ball downfield i think will really really make a difference for them and really could be the difference for them between four wins and seven or eight wins realistically yeah. just looking at the schedule yeah i think the defense last year was probably the impetus for this run to bowl eligibility and winning a bowl game uh they were top 15 tackles for loss last year you know top half of the country in success rate great against the run i mean let, let up less than four yards per carry uh but a lot, of, a lot of new faces coming in. Need to replace all their linebackers. Um, I'd say keep an eye on Isaiah Reed on the defensive side of the ball, not because that's my name, but because he was one of their best Havoc drivers last year. Um, schedule is – I see why it's shaded to the under at six and a half. I mean, they have a lot of road trips kind of like stacked against each other. So, you know, week one, you're UMass. Call that a win. Western Illinois, home. Call that a win. Then you go to Liberty, to New Mexico, and then to Hawaii. So that's you're throwing that up in the air. Out of the bye, then it's FIU, Sam Houston. You think you get those two. Um, but you're at UTEP, at Louisiana Tech, Middle Tennessee. Just a lot of a lot of coin flips in here. I don't have a strong opinion on either side. I think, you know, if they get to bowl eligibility, they're probably happy. Six, six wins probably does the trick here, but just no real opinion. No, I, the upside, I don't the, the upside's just low with this team with Pavia. It's just like, like Louisiana Tech, we could buy into the upside. New Mexico State, I just don't know if I see that this year. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. That 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 low defensive returning production just is, is a killer for a lot of these small teams that that play mm -hmm. with slow pace. I mean, yeah, like like you said, keeping the ball from the other team essentially is what they did all last year. Yeah, the last holdover from Conference USA. It's Florida International FIU. Uh, last year, one of the worst teams in college football, but they managed to scrape out four four wins. So, you know, maybe uh, Coach Mike McIntyre could get this team moving in the right direction. Um, the offensive line wasn't that bad last year. Uh, only allowed 18 sacks, but they couldn't move the ball. Bad quarterback play plagued them all year. They were 115th in success rate, scored 1.4 points per drive. Um, they bring back a lot of returning production, though. Uh, they got blown out, but... You know, at least there's continuity coming back. 22 players back that saw at least 250 snaps. Uh, Lexington Joseph might be one, Austin, that you have your eye on. He rushed for 500-plus yards last year and had five yards per carry. Um, and then they also brought in Shamari Lawrence. Um, actually, now that I'm reading my notes, Lexington Joseph, I believe, is injured now. So never mind. It's going to be Shamari Lawrence is the running, running back one South Dakota transfer. Grayson James and Hayden Carlson are battling for quarterback positions. James is the holdover from last year. Uh, didn't inspire a lot, but Austin, with some continuity, do you think that this offense could take a step forward? The win total is three and a half, 60 to one to win the conference, if that really tickles your fancy. Yeah, we have them projected as the worst team in the conference overall, just from a, a raw talent perspective. Yeah. Um, there, there's nothing interesting here. I mean, like you said, Joseph is down. It's probably going to be a split backfield. Uh, Keyshawn Owens and then Shamari Lawrence, I think, are going to be kind of the two guys driving that. But I don't feel that comfortable about, about either of them at all. Um, just, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to be pretty, pretty poor. The, the schedule shapes up enough that they'll, they'll, you know, have a shot at a couple of wins, I think. But 
like you said, this conference is shifting toward just a, a more offensive conference, and they are not there yet. I honestly actually don't really know what they're trying to put together from a <laughs> roster, you know, perspective. I, I just don't know what direction uh, this coaching staff and this team is trying to head. But I think they're uh, they're in for a really really long year here. The tight end might be the most interesting guy on the roster, and that's from an offensive perspective, and that's not great. And he, he's you know a super super sleeper, Josiah Myaman. I, I a name to throw out, but I. Super, super deep guy. That That's really all that I'm interested in here. Okay, so that's a real sicko play. Mayaman, if you're in like the deep, you know, 20-guy uh, fantasy league where you need a third tight end, that's the guy to keep an eye on. And obviously losing Lexington Joseph, and bad job by me writing my notes out, but bad, uh, losing him, that probably loses a little bit of upside on this offense. We'll see if Shamari Lawrence can make it happen. But um, and losing Tyrese Chambers, their best player on offense last year, he was, you know, a spark plug it's kind of just brutal. And then defense, they got Avery Huff from Miami, but overall this is going to be a work in progress. They were outside the top 100 success rate. Um, it just, this is going to take a while, especially like you said, with the offense being so limited, I struggle to see them winning many games. They do play Maine at home. That is going to be the only game they're favored in. They go to Sam Houston, which like you would think FCS team, maybe they have a chance, but, with Sam Houston's defense, this is probably going to be too much for them. I have no opinion here. I wouldn't even say under because it's just so low and they won four games last year, but um, just no thanks for me. It feels like a schedule where they they scheduled a couple of softies a couple of years ago, and now UConn's like moderately effective. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, no, there, there goes that extra win. That we <laughs> we All right, FCS teams coming in. We're going to start with Sam Houston. Uh, win total three and a half, shade to the over. Uh, this was a team that last year – they won the national championship in the COVID year last year. A lot of red shirt guys that were expecting to stay around to make the jump to the F FBS ranks. So yeah. this was a team last year that I don't want to put too much into what they did at FCS last year, but what they did do was have a nasty defense. Um, one of, it is the bread and butter of the team. And it has been for years. They returned a bunch of starters. They allowed less than 20 points per game last year, less than five yards per play, which would obviously not like, comparing the jump, but those would be elite ranks in the FBS level. Um, keep an eye on Gaither, Phillips from at linebackers. Um, they lose a few guys, but they are really counting on their defense to hold over because at offense, I'd say some question marks, especially at quarterback Austin. Yeah, I think the quarterback's going to be really interesting. They bring in Grant Cannell, who is on his, I believe, fourth team in four years. He was He started out his career at Arizona, then went to Memphis. Got injured there, went to North Texas, did not get that job. Now he's at Sam Houston. He was pretty good as a freshman, so I think if he can bounce back and stay healthy at all, I think this offense can click a little bit. The The wide receivers, there's no standout here, but I do think they're all well-rounded, and I think a couple of them can finish between four and 600 yards on the year, kind of be one of those well-rounded, you know, can't really shut down one of them kind of attack because they'll just go elsewhere. Um I don't have a ton of hope for the run game here. I'm not, I'm interested to see exactly what they do from a tempo perspective with so many, you know, guys sitting out last year and, and a new quarterback. Um, I, I have a feeling they're going to play slow, but I don't know that for sure. Um, so again, not an offense that I'm really buying into any of it all, but if Gunnell does play like a low power five kind of guy, this could be a team that wins, you know, six, seven games, maybe this year. Yeah. So higher ceiling type team. And I think, yeah. Both teams, Sam Houston and Jacksonville State, I think both have higher ceilings than expected because 
I'm just not sure the jump is going to be that crazy for either team from, you know, high level FCS ball to this conference right now, which you could debate between them and the Mac who's worse. I would probably lean towards conference USA as probably being worse top to bottom. I just think that it's, it's easy to talk myself into these two teams winning, like blowing through their win total because not, there's not much to know. I mean, James Madison last year, for example, their win total was like six last year. They won, what was it? Nine games, eight, eight, nine games, whatever it was. They were amazing. They were one of the best defense in college football. So I think that they could easily be be better than expected. The team that I'm betting on to be better than expected, that was the other one, Jacksonville State with Rich Rod. Getting Zion Webb back is massive. Completely changes the trajectory of this team. He got the seventh year waiver um, to come back. Overall, they bring back um, several key players. And I also, I think you're going to probably be, you know, talking and singing the praise of this offense. But Anwar Lewish, average over seven yards per carry, bringing a Louisiana Monroe transfer, Malik Jackson. I just think with Zion Webb back, this offense has a really high ceiling to compete with the likes of the Western Kentuckys, Louisiana Techs, et cetera. Yeah, from a fantasy perspective, Webb is a guy that can move around a little bit. So it's a kind of one of those instances like we don't know if we love any of the wide receivers, but the quarterback can still be productive. And I do think mm-hmm. it's one of uh, those type of deals. And even if Webb goes down, I think um, a guy like Tayshawn Smoot, who was penciled in as maybe the guy that would step in there, is is fairly intriguing. So I, I think even if something were to happen to him, they'll they'll be all right here in the long run. I do think Rich Rod is a great equalizer here. Just, you know, a, a good coach with, you know, a ton of experience with a ton of different uh, different offensive types. But I expect I expect them to run a lot of Zion Webb. I think he'll really be the guy that drives this offense. We have them as the third or fourth best team in the conference, at least from an offensive perspective. It's 100%. just so hard to project those numbers up because you you never know, like you said, how, how some of these teams are going to do. But I, I do think they're a really intriguing team, and I think they can give some teams some problems this year. Absolutely. I, I mean, Webb last year threw nine picks, passing – Needs a little bit of work, completed 55% of his passes, 1,700 yards passing, but he ran for over 600 yards and had 13 touchdowns. So around the goal line, Webb is, you know, he's basically RB1. I think Jacksonville State has, in my opinion, the higher ceiling, especially when comparing Sam Houston State and Jacksonville State, but I'm on their over win total. You go through the schedule. Already, we said they're favored at home against UTEP, or if it moves, they're going to be a small underdog. They host East Tennessee State. That's going to be a win. At Coastal, they're going to be a big underdog. Even throw that one away. They get a bye. They host Eastern Michigan. I, It's Eastern Michigan. I don't think you can necessarily say that they're going to be runaway. It's going to be a coin flip game. They go to Sam Houston, to Middle Tennessee State. They host Liberty in Western Kentucky. Maybe they can scrape one of those out. At FIU. So we like that one for sure. At South Carolina, throw it away. They get another late bye before they get Louisiana Tech and at New Mexico State. I think that there's five wins on that schedule. I think with Webb back, this offense has a ceiling that could get them to five, six wins. They're still, FanDuel still hanging plus money on over four and a half. I just think the market has shown, in small sample, but the market has shown that it's not necessarily receptive to these FCS teams making the jump. It's not going to work every time. But I think if you could see and you could add some analysis around it with Zion Webb back, that really raised the ceiling of this team. Webb is basically Rich Rod's Denard Robinson at the moment. For anybody that maybe needs a bit of a comparison to to latch it onto Robinson when when Rich Rod was at Michigan. I mean, they ran him a ton. They still threw it a pretty good amount with him. I think you know those numbers will be 
shifting a little closer toward toward the the running there. But I, I really think that he can. That's the kind of what he wants to do offensively with that quarterback. And I do think Webb can do a lot of the same things that Gardner does. Yeah. And I, also, you talk about the defense, probably a few question marks here, but they bring back Hardy and Swain who combined for 10 and a half sacks. A lot of portal guys coming in. Secondary is a concern, which probably isn't great for this conference, but I think with a pass rush like this and an offense that could really explode, I think the ceiling is high here. I think getting the last of those four and a half at plus money, I to me, that's a bet. Um, Austin, anything else? Because I know that this offense has maybe a little bit more to talk about, but do you have anything else here? I, I don't know where else. Like, I, I don't have a receiver that I'd want to point to. And really, I, I don't know exactly how that running back room is going to shake out. I think we have it as cl- a little closer to a split than maybe would be preferred if you're playing fantasy and you wanted to pick a guy out here. Somebody like Malik Jackson, Anwar Lewis, um, even maybe Ron Wiggins can get in there a little bit. Um, so I, I do think it'll be split somewhat between those guys, which makes it a little more difficult to pick another guy out. Awesome. All right. So just to recap our best bets here. Also, I don't know if you have any actual bets or if you want to rattle off some more fantasy guys or recap the fantasy guys that you're really eyeing in this conference. But for me, I made three bets in this conference. I took Louisiana tech to win the conference at eight to one smaller bet, but that's my outright here. I'm taking Middle Tennessee under six and a half at plus 116. That's at FanDuel and Jacksonville State over four and a half plus 112 at FanDuel as well. Austin, anything else you want to plug, you want to mention, anything else from the show that you think is worth kind of recapping? Um, no, I mean, I think we we touched on everything um, from a, a, a fantasy perspective. It is, it's a lot of the talent is consolidated on a couple of different teams, but those guys are incredibly intriguing and are you know, arguably top 10 options, guys like Tyron Smith at, at UTEP and the, the Western Kentucky guys, and really no running backs from this conference that we're interested in outside of maybe peasant, which is a bit of a bummer. Um, but I, I still think, you know, there, there's, there's money to be made here from these guys. And I think some of these teams like Jacksonville state and even Sam Houston state to a lesser extent are those teams that you watch the first couple weeks of the season. And, and there might be some gems there to pick up if, if somebody looks like they're maybe becoming a guy there. Yeah, absolutely. Austin, you can follow him on Twitter at Debbie Dietz. You could listen to him on Campus to Canton. Two is the number two. And Debbie Debate Conference USA is in the books. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to like five stars, everything else in between. Early read. We got more conference previews coming your way.